Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. So the question for today, uh, I think, is the big question of faith. Um, it's, a, it's a question that whether you're an atheist, agnostic, Christian, or anywhere in between, this question applies to you. In fact, you may have even asked this question this week. It's a big question, and the question is, can I trust God? Can I trust God? Now, normally, as Christians, we tend to gloss over this question and go, well, yeah, duh, I'm a Christian. Of course, I trust God. God is good all the time. All the time, God's good. So, of course, I can trust him. But then the moment you go through a difficult circumstance, all of a sudden, your answer changes. Why is that? See, I think it's because normally we answer this question based on our circumstance, meaning if life is good, then God is good and I can trust him. But if life doesn't go the way I think it's supposed to go, if it's not going according to plan, then, well, God, I don't know if I can even trust you anymore. See, we answer this question based on our circumstance. But today, I want to talk about a different way to answer this question, a way to answer this question that actually grows our faith, that gives us the kind of faith we've always wished we could have, the kind of faith that Abraham had. See, today, we're going to look at a story with Abraham and watch how he answered this question. And the story we're going to look at today is actually a really popular story. You've probably heard this story before, but it's also a really misunderstood story. I mean, I've misunderstood this story. And I think it's because when you don't know the whole story, you miss what's really happening. Okay. So here's what I mean. Uh, imagine I came up to you and we were friends and I came up to you and I said, Hey, someone just took $1,500 from my bank account. Now, if I said that to you and we were friends and you had some empathy, you'd probably feel bad. Maybe you'd be a little bit angry with me. Like, I can't, I can't believe that happened. And then if I came up to you and I said, yeah, not only that, they've been doing this on a regular basis. Like, I, this year, I might lose as much as $20,000. And again, if I said this to you and we were friends, you'd probably be really angry. Like, well, we should go do something about this. And then imagine if I said, yeah, I mean, it's my mortgage, but they do it every month. If I said that, you'd be like, well, I'm angry, but now I'm angry at you, Steve, because you just wasted my time. Because you're like, you didn't tell me the whole story, right? It's like you signed a contract. That's the way it's supposed to go. They let you borrow money. You're paying them back. That's the way it works, because when you don't know the whole story, you miss what's really happening. Moms, you feel this every time you walk into Publix and your toddler starts screaming and you feel all the people looking at you and all the judgy eyes and you're like, you don't know the whole story, right? I'm a good mom, okay? Fed him this morning, changed his diaper. I don't know what's happening, but you don't know the whole story. Like, um, I don't know if this has ever happened to you. This happened with our three-year-old anchor where he was having a horrible day. He, he, was, he was disobedient. He was crying all the time. He was super grumpy, and nothing that we did was working. It's like we put him in timeout like a hundred times. We, we kept taking toys. Nothing was working. And then we found out he was sick with a temperature of like 102. And I was like, here's your toy back. Buddy, I'm sorry. I didn't know. 
Like I didn't know the whole story, right? It's like the bank isn't stealing my money. They're letting me borrow their money. My kid's not being a terror. He's just sick. And today we're going to look at a story and God's going to ask something outlandish of Abraham. But if you don't know the whole story, you're going to miss what's really happening. And so the whole story actually starts with last week's sermon. By the way, last week's sermon was so incredible. Pastor Jason, I mean, unreal. My wife and I are still talking about it. It was so good. So listen, if you haven't seen it, you got to go back, watch it. That gives the full context for what we're going after today. Because last week, Jason said that God came to Abram and said, Abram, I'm going to make you into a mighty nation. He actually said, Abram, I want you to look at the stars in the sky. Can you count them? And Abram said, no. And he goes, that's how many descendants you're going to have. And he goes, I want you to look at the sand on the shore. Can you count that? And Abram's like, still no. And he's like, yeah, you're going to have more like great, 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 great grandkids than the sand on the shore. I'm going to make you into a mighty nation. And Abram said, that sounds great. But how do I know that you're going to fulfill your end of the bargain? How do I know that you're going to keep your promise? And God said, how about this? I'll enter into a contract with you, a covenant. Remember, contract is covenant. And by the way, that just shows the grace of God right there. Because if I was God and Abram said, God, how can I trust you? I'd go, I don't know. I made you like I made the earth. What do you mean? How can I trust you? But God is way more patient than I am. And he's really gracious. And he said, Abram, I'll come down on your level and I'll enter into a covenant, a contract with you. And there are 10 steps to this covenant. And we learned the first nine Last week, in fact, um, you, you know, it's kind of like when you sign a mortgage that you have to sign your name like a hundred times. Okay, well, there were 10 steps here. There were steps like the exchange of the outer garment so that when people saw me from far away, then they would see the person I'm in covenant with. There was like the covenant mark on the body so that when people saw that, they knew that I was in covenant with someone else. There was the exchange of names. This is how Abram's name changed from Abram to Abraham because God's name is Yah. Way and the ah from Yahweh was inserted into Abram's name to become Abraham, and God became the God of Abraham. There was an exchange again. If you missed it last week, you gotta go check it out. It was so incredible, and God was faithful every step of the way. He kept fulfilling his promise, he kept doing exactly what he said he was gonna do. In fact, not just that, he actually went above and beyond. He did both sides of the contract. You remember the walk of death? He put Abraham to sleep and then he did both sides of the contract. That's like your mortgage company going, hey, you're gonna have a mortgage. Also, we're gonna make the payments. It's like, really? That's amazing. That's what God did. He put him to sleep and he did both sides of the contract. He said, you can trust me. I am trustworthy. I'm always going to keep doing what I said I'm going to do. I will fulfill my promise. And today, we're going to talk about the 10th step, the exchange of sons, the 10th step of this contract. And again, you got to remember, this contract started with God's promise to Abram. When he said, Abram, I'm going to make you into a mighty nation. He said, hey, Stars in the sky, sand on the shore. You're going to have great, 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 great grandkids. And Abram said, that sounds amazing. One minor detail. Um, we don't have any kids and I'm 100 years old. It's a small deal. How many of you are 100 years old? Just out of, yeah, I didn't think so. Me neither, obviously. Uh, right? Not 100 years old. Like, I thought we were late to the game and having kids because we started when I was 30. But 100? Can you imagine? Well, Abraham couldn't either. And that's why he said this. Abram fell down, fell face down, and he laughed. He 
said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah, my wife, bear a child at the age of 90? In other words, God, listen, I'm with you, but let's be realistic here. I'm a hundred. Sarah's 90. God, I'm not so sure you know how this works, right? It's like, I, there's no way. But God doubled down. That's what he said. God said, yes, but, I love that, yes, but your wife, Sarah, will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. And just, we're going to pause right there, because Isaac's name literally means son of laughter, which, which lets you know that God has a sense of humor, right? It's like, I just imagine that, you know, God says, to Abraham, he's like, you're going to have a kid, and Abraham starts laughing, and he goes, and that's his name. And Abraham's like, what's his name? Oh, son of laughter, because you laughed, right? It's like, I tend to imagine that God had this amazing name picked out, like almighty fortress, crazy, amazing warrior. And then he laughs and he goes, or Isaac. Like, we'll just call him Isaac, because you laughed. So this inside joke between Abraham and God, he said, we're going to call him Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him. This is huge. In other words, the promise that I made, the contract that we signed, is now not just between you and I, but it's actually with him. Isaac, an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. God says, trust me. I know you don't have a kid, but trust me. Sure enough, nine months later, 90-year-old Sarah walks into a Canaanite hospital, and they're like, did you break your hip? And she's like, no, I'm going into labor. They're like, we've never seen that before. And she gives birth to Isaac. Son of laughter. Not just son of laughter, but fulfiller of the promise. As Abraham is holding Isaac, he's going, God did it. I, I, I can't believe it. I've waited 100 years, and now I've got a son. In fact, what's interesting is God started this promise, this journey with Abraham, when Abraham was 90, or, or, sorry, when he was 75 years old. So there was 25 years that Abraham was waiting for God to fulfill his promise. And now he's holding the fulfiller of the promise. And if you were to go up to Abraham at the time and go, hey, Abraham, I got a quick question. Can I trust God? He would go, yes and amen. Are you kidding me? God made good on his promise. I'm holding my son. I'm 100. She's 90. And he gave me a son. Yes, you can trust him. Life is good. God is good. And God did everything he said he would do. And then, and this is the part of the story that, again, without context, if you don't know the whole story, it's not going to make sense. This is the part of the story that a lot of people misunderstand. Then God said to Abraham, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there. As a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. What? No, 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 God. No, this is Isaac. He's the fulfiller of the promise. Sacrifice him there? God, no, that's not the plan. God, this is, this is not how it was supposed to go. I mean, have you ever felt that way? This is not how it was supposed to go. I mean, the past two years, this is not how it was supposed to go. I wasn't supposed to miss my prom, 
Marriage wasn't supposed to be this hard. I wasn't supposed to lose my job. The supply chain wasn't supposed to be like this. He wasn't supposed to get sick. She wasn't supposed to get sick. Life wasn't supposed to be this hard. God, it wasn't supposed to be this way. And this is when that question gets real. The question, can I trust God? This is when we look at God and go, God, I don't even know if I can trust you anymore. Because look at what she did. I mean, look at what happened. This is not the way that it was supposed to go. This is why I think for us, this question is so easy to answer in some seasons and so difficult in others. Because when life isn't going the way we thought it was supposed to go, we go, God, I don't even know if I can trust you anymore. This wasn't the plan. This wasn't supposed to happen. And I'm sure for Abraham, he felt this. Like, I'm sure he's looking at God going, God, I'm just not so sure that I can trust you anymore. But then something happened in this exchange that actually changed the way that Abraham answered this question. And God actually did it in the way that he asked Abraham to do this unthinkable thing. It's all right there in verse 2. But again, if you don't know the full story, then we'll miss it. So what I want us to do is I want us to zoom in to Genesis 22-2 to see what is God really doing right here. So Genesis 22-2, normally um, when I've read this verse in the past, and maybe you're the same way, um, when I see that phrase, take your son, I imagine God thundering down from heaven. He's angry, almost vengeful, maybe even bloodthirsty, and he's looking at Abraham going, take your son. But that's not actually the way that the original text was written. See, what's interesting is when you, as I was doing research, I found when you look at that Hebrew word that we translate as take, it's actually actually a compound word. See, the first part of the word is the word kah, which means take. So everywhere else in scripture, when you see the English word take, it's the word kah. But then what's, what's, what's crazy about this compound word is there's another part of the word that's added to it. And that word is please, please, which is really interesting because God normally doesn't say please when he issues a command. God didn't say, please have no other gods before me. He didn't say, please don't commit adultery. He, 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 he just commanded it. But here he says, please, almost as if this is less of a command and more of a plea, almost as if God understands the weight of what he's asking. It's almost like God is saying, Abraham, okay, I'm about to say something and it's not going to make sense, but please, would you, would you trust me? I know this isn't what you expected, but Abraham, please, please, just please, would you trust me? He says, take your son, your only son, Isaac. And right here in this moment, before he even gets to the question, before he even gets to the plea, he is reminding Abraham of his past faithfulness. He's saying, before I ask you, do you remember Isaac? You remember the story? Abraham, do you remember when I came to you and I said, you and Sarah are going to have a son? Abraham, how old were you? He goes, I was, I was a hundred Yeah, you were 100. Sarah was 90. And do you remember what you did when I said you were going to have a son? Yeah, God, I remember. 
I laughed. You laughed. And then what did we do? We named him Isaac, didn't we? Abraham, your son's name is an inside joke to my faithfulness. I have not let you down before. It seemed impossible before. Her womb was dead, and then I brought it to life. Abraham, I'm asking you, please, as you've trusted me before, as I've done the impossible before, as it seemed crazy before, I need you to trust me now. Trust me. He says, take your son, and I want you to go to a mountain I will show you. And what's interesting about this part of the request is it's almost identical language to Genesis chapter 12, the first conversation that Abraham and God ever had. When God went up to Abram and said, I want you to go to a land I will show you, as if he's saying, hey, Abram, do you remember our first conversation? Do you remember when I said, I'm going to give you descendants, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to a land I will show you. Abraham, you didn't even know where you were going, but you trusted me. And now look, now look around you. Look at what I've done. Look at how faithful I've been. Abraham, I know this doesn't make sense. I know it seems outlandish, but Abraham, I need you to trust me, just like you've trusted me before, just like I've done the impossible before, just like you didn't know all the details before, Abraham, I need you to trust me again. Please, please, would you trust me? And so Abraham, he stepped forward in trust. And honestly, I think just as a quick side note, as we're looking at Genesis 22, Two, what we see is over and over again, God is reminding Abraham of his faithfulness. And a lot of times when we don't know what God is doing, we have to remember what he's done. Before we move forward, we got to go, God, here's who you've been. And I don't know what you're doing right now, but I know who you've been. And I know who you are. So I can trust you. And so Abraham begins the journey to Moriah. He takes his son, Isaac, and they begin to walk. And by the way, a lot of times when I heard this story, I imagined Isaac as a little kid, like a little first grader, you know, maybe you've thought the same thing. As I was doing research this week, I discovered that he was much older. Um, most scholars think he was at least 20. Some have him as old as 36. So this is not a toddler. This is a grown man that Abraham is walking next to. And he makes the journey to Moriah. By the way, do you know how long it took for Abraham and Isaac to get to Moriah? It was, it was three days. I mean, can you, can you even imagine being Abraham in that moment? Like, it's one thing to wake up and go, okay, we're going to go to Moriah. But then what happens the next morning? And the next morning, as you're walking next to your son, knowing what's about to happen, knowing the request that God has just made of you. And listen, make no mistake about it. Abraham was a good dad. And like any good dad, he would get on the altar a hundred times over his son. So it wasn't Isaac who was dying in this journey. It was Abraham. He's going, God, I don't understand it. And I know what's coming when I get to Moriah. But God, I'm trusting you. See, sometimes it's easy for us when we sit in a service like this to, you know, to just kind of 
hear God's voice maybe and you know, we think we know what God's asking us to do and we get excited about it when we're in this room and then the next morning we wake up and we go, God, I don't know if I can trust you anymore. I mean, it seemed clear yesterday, but today is a new day and I just don't know. And here's Abraham with every step that he's taking, it's another step of trust. He's got his son Isaac by his side and he's going, God, I still trust you. God, I still trust you. God, I still trust you. Long obedience in the same direction with his son, Isaac. And then they get to the region of Moriah. And this is where scripture picks up. It says, Abraham said, Isaac and I will go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son, Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them went on together. And so here's Abraham. He's watched his son grow up. And as they're walking up the hill, now he's ready to give him up. And in this moment when the circumstances didn't make sense, Abraham realized that trusting in God means nothing is off limits. Trusting in God means nothing is off limits, not even my own son. It means, it means there's no conditions. It means full surrender. God, when I trust in you, it means, God, no matter what, my answer to you is yes. Now, listen, make no mistake about it. God's love for us is unconditional. That means that he will love us no matter what we've done or what we will do. His love for us is not based on our obedience. God's already laid down his conditions. But now he's saying, will you lay down yours? When you trust me, are you willing to lay everything down just like I've laid everything down for you? See, because normally when we trust God, normally it's easy for us to say, God, I'll trust you as long as. God, I'll trust you, but just don't. Like, God, I'll trust you, but just don't mess with my business. God, listen, I'll trust you, but just don't mess with my family. God, 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 I'll trust you, but just don't mess with my kids. God, I'll trust you, but don't mess with it. Like, God, don't ask me about this sin. God, that's off limits. That's mine. God, don't ask me about my private life. That's off limits. That's mine. But that's not how a covenant relationship is supposed to go. Nothing's supposed to be off limits. There's not supposed to be conditions. I mean, think about, think about the covenant relationship of marriage. Marriage is a covenant. And can you imagine on the day you got married or maybe the day that you will get married, imagine you're, you're standing up there on the altar with your spouse and everyone's watching, you got a big smile on your face, and you say, honey, I promise to love you as long as you're healthy. <laughs> hey, as, as long as you're healthy, I'm in. Hey, I promise to love you as long as you're rich. As long as you got that money, babe, we're good, okay? We're gonna be, we're gonna have a great, no, we don't say that, do we? What do we say? For richer or poorer, in sickness and in health. Meaning no matter what, I'm in. No conditions, I'm in. And when we trust God, God is inviting us to say, God, I love you and I trust you in sickness and in health, for rich or for poor. God, I trust you when you give and I trust you when you take away. God, I trust you even if even if things don't work out the way I think they should. 
Even if life gets complicated, even when things get difficult, even when he's in the hospital, even when she's in the hospital, even when she breaks up with me, even when the relationship doesn't go the way that I thought it was supposed to go, even when I lose my job, God, I trust you. Trusting in God means nothing is off limits. It means, God, you have full access to every part of my life. And so here's Abraham saying, God, I trust you, and I don't know what you're doing, but I trust you with my son. And here's how the Jesus Storybook Bible picks up the rest of the story. Papa Isaac said, we have everything except we forgot the lamb for the sacrifice. God will give us the lamb, son, Abraham said. They built an altar and laid the wood on top. Abraham asked his son, his old, older son, to climb on top of the wood. Isaac didn't understand, but he knew his father loved him. And so he trusted him. He climbed up onto the altar and Abraham tied his boy to the wood. Isaac didn't struggle or try to run away. He just lay there quietly and he didn't make a sound. Everything was ready. Abraham took the knife. Tears were filling up his eyes. Pain was filling up his heart. His hand was shaking. He lifted the knife high into the air. Stop, God said. Don't hurt the boy. I want him to live and not die. I know now that you love me because you would have given me your only son. And here in this moment, Abraham offers up his son and God gives him his son back because God never wanted his son. He wanted his trust. Saying, Abraham, would you trust me no matter what? Would you trust me where nothing is off limits? And Abraham said, based on who you are and based on what you've done, God, I trust you. And the next verse says this, Genesis 22, 13. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. And I love this verse because what you see in this verse is the ram didn't just appear. It was already there. Which means as, God, as, as Abraham and Isaac were walking up the mountain, the ram was there and God knew. Now, Abraham didn't see it, but God did because God sees the whole story. And so the ram is there. It's caught in the thicket. And then he says he went over. He took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Because Abraham knew that a sacrifice had to be made. And what happened? The Lord provided just like he said he would, just like he always does. He's saying, Abraham, you can trust me because you know who I am. See, Abraham understood that trust means that we can trust God's character over our circumstance. We can trust who God is over what we are going through right here in the moment. Because Abraham's looking at God going, God, I don't understand this. I don't know why you're asking me to do this, but I know who you are and I know what you've done. So I know that I can trust you. And he trusted God's character over the circumstance that he was walking through. See, God provided just like he said he would. Just like he always does. And in this moment, God fulfilled both sides of the covenant once again. See, not only did God ask Abram to fall asleep, and then he did both sides of the walk of death here in the 10th step in the exchange of sons. What did God do? He gave Abraham a son when he was 100. And then when Abraham gave it back, what did he do? He gave him back his son. 
He said, you don't need to do that. I'm going to fulfill both sides of the covenant because that's who I am because you can trust me and you can trust my character. But that's not all he did. And this is where it gets so good. See, because Abraham is, he sees the ram and he sacrifices the ram because he knows a sacrifice needs to be made. And he looks at the ram and he goes, well, here it is. God provided. And in that moment, it's almost like God's looking at Abraham going, good, you did it. You trusted me. And it didn't cost you your son. Well, now it's my turn. And it's going to cost me my son. See, because one day God would send his son, his only son, whom he loved to be a sacrifice. Once again, God would fulfill the 10th step of the covenant with his own son. And I want you to see how intentional God has been with Jesus since the beginning. Even in Genesis 22, we see marks of Jesus all over the story. In Genesis 22, 2, God says, take your son, your only son. And what does John 3, 16 say? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Not only that, remember how Isaac wasn't a little toddler. He was a grown man. Some scholars like Adam Clark think that he was 33 years old, which means 33-year-old Isaac climbed a hill with wood on his back to make a sacrifice, to sacrifice himself. And one day Jesus, 33 years old, would climb a hill with wood on his back for himself to be the sacrifice and do that on another hill. Or was it even another hill? See, in the small little region of Moriah, there's a pinnacle. And it's called Calvary or Golgotha, the very spot where Jesus was crucified, which means the same spot where Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son Isaac is the spot where the God of the universe sacrificed his only son Jesus for us. And did you catch how long it took for them to get to Moriah? Three days. Which means for three days, Abraham is walking with his son Isaac, knowing what's about to happen. But listen, God already promised that he was going to give descendants through Isaac. But God said to sacrifice Isaac. So how can God say sacrifice Isaac and descendants will come through Isaac? And Abraham starts to reason and he goes, I don't know God why, why God would do this, but I guess I have to kill my son and then God will bring him back from the dead because that's the only way God's going to fulfill his promise. So while he's walking to Moriah, he knows that his son is as good as dead. But as soon as I get to Moriah, I'm going to get him back and he's going to be resurrected. And that's exactly what Jesus did three days in the grave. And then he came back. Do you see how intentional God has been throughout history? God didn't send a ram in place of Abraham's son. God sent his own son in place of Abraham's son. And his own son actually would bleed and actually would die and actually would rise again. Because Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment. The ultimate fulfillment of the covenant. And this whole time God is saying, would you trust me? Don't you see? Like, don't you see how throughout history, I have loved you. I have fulfilled every promise. 
Even when it didn't make sense at the time, you can trace back through history and see that I was for you and that I loved you and that I was willing to give it all. I fulfilled both sides of the contract, not only with the fifth step, but with the 10th step. I'm here for you. You can trust me. So we started with the question, can I trust God? But I think the real question for today is, will I trust God? Will I trust him? Even when it doesn't make sense, even when it hurts, even when it's not the way it's supposed to go, will I trust him? So it was about a year ago that um, our middle son, Anchor, um, he was at home with my wife. I was at a men's gathering and my wife called me and she said, hey, Anchor just busted his lip wide open and I, I need you to come home. And so I rushed home and sure enough, I got there. I mean, there was literally, there was blood everywhere. I almost brought a picture, but I thought I'm going to keep it PG. So it was not, it was not a pretty sight. But as soon as I saw it, I knew this is more than just a cut lip. Like we got to, we got to go to the hospital. We need to get some stitches. So we load up our kids and we go to the, we go to the hospital and, and the whole time I kind of know what's about to happen because I know that because he's two, there's only so much they can do and um, only so much they can numb and he's, he's probably going to feel this. But we get in the hospital room and this team of like doctors and nurses walks in. And one of the nurses says, Dad, I need you to lay down on that hospital bed and I need you to hold your son and you got to hold him tight. No matter what he does, don't stop holding him. Man, I was not ready. Um, I lay down in the hospital and I'm, and I'm holding him as tight as I can. And he is screaming as they're trying to work on him. And he's crying and I'm crying like it was all these doctors and nurses are around. And I just keep holding him tight. And the whole time I'm going, oh God, oh son, would you just trust me? I know this hurts. Gosh, I know it hurts, but man, I'm with you. I haven't left. I'm right here. I'm right here. Would you know that I'm with you? See, because my two-year-old, he couldn't understand stitches. But as a loving dad, I understood stitches. I knew that he was going through pain, but I knew there was healing on the other side. And so I kept holding on to my son going, would you just trust me? And I think sometimes I'm like, I'm like anchor. I'm like, God, I'll trust you as long as it doesn't hurt. God, I'll trust you as long as there's no pain. I'll trust you as long as it's not hard. God, I'll trust you, but God, it just depends on what you're asking of me. God, I'll trust you, but just don't ask me about that. God, that's off limits. I think God is a really good dad. And even when we're walking through pain, he's holding us saying, son, you can trust me. I know that it hurts. You can trust me. You know how good I've been. You can trust me. You know my character. You can trust me. I sent my son for you. You can trust me. And I get it. I know that this is difficult, but I have not left you. In fact, when it hurts the most, I'm closest than I've ever been before. I haven't left you. So will I trust God? And will you trust God?
even when it doesn't make sense. Some of you are walking through a job loss and you're like, God, this isn't the way it was supposed to go. And God's saying, would you trust me? I haven't left, I'm with you. Some of you got a family member that's sick. Some of you are watching this right now from a hospital room and you're going, God, I don't know if I can trust you. And the God of the universe is saying, I'm right here. You can trust me. You know who I've been. You know what I've done for you. You can trust me. Some of us in the room, man, we've got something that we've said to God before is off limits. And today you feel the voice of your father in heaven saying, would you give that to me? Would you remove the caution tape and say, okay, God, that's it. Nothing is off limits. God, nothing's off limits. God, my finances, they're yours. Nothing is off limits. God, my family, it's yours. Nothing is off limits. God, marriage, it's yours. Nothing is off limits. And I know he doesn't deserve it, or I know she doesn't deserve it, but God, if you want to speak into my marriage and you're asking me to serve him or serve her, God, okay, because nothing is off limits anymore. God, I got a private life over here that I've kept off limits, but not anymore, God. Nothing is off limits. I'm in. God, I trust you. I don't know what you're doing, but I know what you've done. And I know who you are. And I know I can trust you. Are you willing to say to him, God, nothing is off limits. For some of you, last week you felt God stirring like, I think I need to walk down front. I think I need to surrender my whole life to Jesus. I think I need to say to him, nothing is off limits. But when the moment came, you just couldn't walk down front. Or maybe this happened a month ago or two months ago. And today God's stirring that again, saying, would you trust me? Do you see how intentional I've been all throughout history to show you that you can trust me, to show you how much I love you? Would you trust me now? Would you surrender your life to me? And for some of you, today is the day that you do that. You say, all right, God, I'm in. I trust you. And nothing is off limits. So right now we're going to have a moment where you you talk to your Father in heaven. Hear the voice of God saying to you, would you trust me? And now you tell him your response. Maybe this is an honest conversation where you say, God, this thing has been off limits, but not anymore. I give it to you. God, I surrender it to you. Maybe today is the first day in a long time you've actually talked to your Father in heaven because you've been avoiding him because you didn't think he was trustworthy after what you've been through. And today God is saying, would you trust me? Would you just talk to me? So right now across every room, we're going to close our eyes and bow our heads and we're just going to begin a conversation. And this is between you and your Father in heaven. And so God, would you speak? Spirit, would you move? And right now, you just begin to talk to your dad in heaven. Just give him your trust.
Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.